I am. All right, good. All right, so let's get going here. Good evening, everyone. This is Kevin Gianni from RenegadeHealth.com, and I want to welcome you to this special Saturday night Water Secrets special bonus purchase um, teleseminar with the Health Ranger, Mike Adams. We were really excited to put this together for you because when, when Mike and I were talking about the Water Secrets, and Mike was initially involved in the Water Secrets program, as all of you who are listening to this call know, but when Mike and I first started talking about this, we said, well, you know, what could, could make this even more valuable than the Water Secrets program alone? And so we both kind of brainstormed and we came up with an idea that, that we would have a, a teleseminar where we would basically just answer your questions and basically go through all the things that you had and we'll answer the ones that we know and the ones that we don't know. We'll, we'll go out and I'll, I'll go out and find more people who, who might be able to answer those questions and really provide you with, with the most value as a follow-up to, to your, your program and your purchase. I think that a lot of people don't do that enough, um, and so I think I kind of wanted to, to kind of make a stand here and, and really provide you with some, some serious value. So for those of you who don't know my guest, Mike Adams, Mike is really one of the most prolific and most trusted health journalists um, on the planet. I mean, I guess that there's really no other way to say that. Um, you know, there, there are literally, uh, probably, it's probably over 1.2 million um, visitors to his site every month. Um, I know it was, was that somewhere around maybe six months ago, but I'm sure that's increased because of the, the reach that Mike has. And he's really dedicated his life to doing this um, and, and being a really trusted and respected advisor um, to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, um, including myself. So I'm, I'm really excited to have him on board, and I'm, and I'm thrilled that we'll be able to answer uh, some of your questions here. So, Mike, I want to welcome you to the call. Hey, thank you, Kevin. It's great to be on this call with you, and for all of you who are participating right now, welcome. It's great to have you here, too. And i got to thank you, Kev, for putting this together and for making it available to the Natural News readers at such an incredible value. I mean, really. It was under just under $15 to get yeah. that five-hour course plus this. It's a fantastic deal. I know that those who are who are here realize that, and they're happy to see that, too. Budgets are tight for everyone, and yet we all need this knowledge. I mean, consumers out there are desperate for knowledge about how to get healthy water or clean water into their lives. So thank you. thanks, Kevin, and thank you all for participating. Let's jump right to it. I've been reviewing the questions that came in via email, and I know there are more questions that, that Kev is sending me here in real time. And also, we're going to open this up to some live questions too, right, Kevin? Um, actually, the the way to do it, to ask your question um, kind of in real time is that you can post those people who are on the page that they have, um, you know, listening to the webcast or in the email that I sent you. You can click on that link and go to the page, even if you're on the phone, and you can ask your question right there. So what we can do is we can filter through them and uh, make sure that we ask them in order so, so we have priority in terms of people who have asked them. So that's the best way to do it, I've, I've found, because you know, we, have, we have a lot of people on the phone. All right, that's great. Well, let me start answering the questions that were sent in via email before the show. Let's and then when we get through those, you'll, then you can ask the questions that are coming in via the web. So Absolutely. by looking at these questions, it, it, it's apparent that I can answer a lot of them with probably this one segment of information, which is that if, wherever you get your water from, you need to be skeptical about the source, no matter where it comes from, whether it comes out of the ground, whether it comes from a, a Whole Foods water filtration dispensing device, 
whether it comes out of the tap, of course, no matter where it comes from, bottled water and so on, you need to be skeptical about it and you need to do your own filtration at the point of consumption. That's a principle that I've been teaching people, that you've got to filter that water in your house. And the best filters for consumers are the ones that you put on your, your sink or you have an under-the-sink filter. I've been promoting Aquasana. I've used their products for years. I've interviewed their founder several times. And it's just a great product. It takes out just about everything that you need taken out. I mean, 99.9% of everything, including pharmaceuticals, by the way. So, I mean, this is a, an issue that I know we've been asked about, but pharmaceuticals are not taken out by the municipal water filtration uh, treatment centers. They, they go right through the system and they come through your tap. So you're getting trace amounts of pharmaceuticals. You've got to take those out at the point of consumption. So what qualifies as a point of consumption filter? Well, of course, you've got the Brita, you've got Pure. Those are the, the low-end brands. Aquasana is a really good high-end brand. Uh, there are brands that are even more high-end. You can spend a lot more money. Uh, you can have an RO filter installed, but, you know, that wastes a lot of water. Uh, in my house, people have asked, what exactly do I use? I use a combination of Aquasana and an RO filter that was part of the house where I live. So I didn't install it. I, I personally wouldn't choose to do that because of the amount of water it waste. But since it's there, I use it from time to time. Mostly I use Aquasana water filters. Also, this is very important, I put an Aquasana filter on, on my shower. And I recommend you do that as well. And, oh, by the way, Kev, I hope, you, I hope you're okay with this. I, I got a plug. We have a special deal with Aquasana. <laughs> where of course. <laughs> it's a, a free decanter if they, if they purchase through us. So it's on the Natural News uh, homepage right now. We have a deal going on with them. Um, but a shower filter is very, very important because those chemicals come through the chlorine, the fluoride, <laughs> fluoride in your shower. But you get chlorine there too, and then your pores are opened up because of the hot, steamy shower. And that chlorine goes right in. In fact, I think you might need it more in the shower than anywhere else. And that's where you're exposed to the to the most amount of, of chemicals in terms of volume. I mean, you're not going to drink 10 gallons, 20 gallons of water, but you could easily be exposed to that much water in the shower. So bottom line, folks, is do not trust any source of water, bottled water, even spring water. It could be contaminated with heavy metals, Agricultural runoff, such as pesticides, could have PCBs. Bottled water, of course, has the bisphenol A issue, which I know we'll talk about tonight. And even water that's store-bought can be less than optimum. Uh, now, to answer more of the questions, there are a couple of properties of water I, I want to cover here very quickly. One is the energetics of water. The other would be the chemistry of the water. And then the third would be what's living in the water. So if you take a, a sample of water from any source and you, and you really look at it and you try to determine if it's going to be healthy for you, you have to answer these three questions. What's the energy of it? What's the chemistry of it? In other words, are there heavy metals uh, in the water? Or, for example, is there, is there bisphenol A or pharmaceuticals in the water? And then point number three What's alive in the water? Now, the chlorine, of course, that your city uses 
is designed to kill what's living in the water. And it does that very effectively. And a lot of filters will do that, like UV, you know, UV treatments. So, and then the second point is the chemistry of the water has to be filtered out and made pure through a, a local water filtration system like Aquasana. But then that first point is, what about the energetics? And that's the difficult one to conquer. Because you can take all the bad stuff out of the water and you can, you know, you can, you can remove every contaminant, but it can still be energetically dead. And so the best way to energize your body with living water, as I call it, is to not even try to get that through your water. Get it by drinking vegetable juice. That's the answer. People say, how do I make my water alive? Do I, do I spin it in a vortex? Do I use magnets and LED lights and magic purple plates? I'm like, no, drink <laughs> celery juice. You know, just drink celery juice. Nature has already done all that for you. The water I personally drink is dead water. It's pure, but it's dead. The, the living liquids that I get are from the vegetable juices. So I hope that answers that, that probably answered about 10 or 20 of the, the questions <laughs> <laughs> right there. That's a, that's a great distinction, and, and a lot of people don't think of it that way. Um, you know, adding either, you know, adding some of their vegetable juice to their water, um, which is a way to kind of like balance it a little bit, or just go all straight vegetable juice. I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty neat way to, to think about it, because then you don't have to worry about spending, you know, thousands of dollars on some of these, you know, these tools that, that may or may not work. Well, yeah, I've seen people spend a lot of money, Kev, on water ionizers or alkalizers, and they're they're great. They they really do work, by the way. They really alkalize the water, and it can have a huge impact on your health. But celery juice is, is highly alkaline, you know. And I've 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 even bought the water vortex machines and all kinds of crazy high-end water treatment. This thing looks like a UFO. It looks like it's going to take off. It's spinning. LED lights and everything. I'm, I'm like, what is this doing to the water? I don't know. What I do know is that Mother Nature has created the most advanced water technology in the world. If you get your water from plants, that is by far the best water in the world, without exception. Huh. So, so um, talk- yeah, go ahead. I, I just have a quick question. Going back to the Aquasana filters, is there any specific... Um, you know, model that you use, or or is it just? Uh, do they just have one one or two brands? I, I know that they have. We have. We used to have um, a specific brand that sat up on the kitchen countertop, and then we switched over to a different one. But but is, is there one specific specific type of brand that you recommend? Um, in terms of model that you recommend? No, they they only have a few basic models. They have a shower okay. filter model. Uh, they have an under the sink model. They have an above the sink model. That's that's Same. pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. very simple. They're you know, you can spend a lot of money on water filters, and I haven't found that they're that much better. You know, some people are concerned that with, with these filters, that the water is touching plastic. You know, like, oh, it's touching plastic for a tenth of a second or something. Yeah. I'm not concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is water that's sloshing around in a plastic bottle on the back of a Pepsi truck, driving around in the hot desert, you know, for eight hours. That, now that's plastic tea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like this phenol tea. Uh, that water concerns me, but not if I'm if I'm taking it out of the tap and filtering it right now 
through an aquasana filter, I don't care that it touches the plastic. Besides, the, the plastic's not hot. It's cold. And as we know, the greatest transference of molecules out of the plastic and into the water happens when the plastic is hot, which is, of course, why you should never microwave your food in plastic wrap. <laughs> if you're, if you're microwaving in the... Oh, yeah. I, used to... I remember... In, in in college, you know, you'd, you'd microwave something, and the plastic wrap would like it would like sink and like melt to like the point where it was it was like you know taut like across the the, the bowl. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I know what you mean. We did, we did some crazy stuff um, <laughs> eating in college, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, let me get to some some more of the specific questions. Let's here. do it. Uh, Anne is asking. Uh, she fills her water bottles with reverse osmosis. At a co-op, wondering if it's safe. Well, I think I've answered that, but let me make this comment. I've been to health food stores, and I've ordered fresh juice, and I caught them juicing uh, vegetables with the stickers on them. Like they would throw an apple in the juicer, and it still had a little sticker on it, you know, the, the little number sticker. So these places, they, you know, they're just staffed by people who are on the clock. I mean, sure, they might, they might, love their jobs and everything, but they're not going to give it the same care that you would. I personally wouldn't trust the water from any any commercial operation, period. I, I would make sure I filter it myself. Uh, Neil from Bakersfield asks, what about adding food-grade hydrogen peroxide to the water? Well, that's a great way to, to kill something that's alive in it. You want to get rid of the, the microbes in the water. That works extremely well. Most people don't have access to truly food-grade hydrogen peroxide. The stuff you buy at the pharmacy is not food-grade. You have to go online to get it, and you have to really know what you're buying. You can get uh, 3% food-grade, even 7%. And uh, it has a lot of uses, by the way. You can use it to store water long-term. So if you pour water into a five-gallon container and store it in your home, you know, to protect yourself against emergencies, natural disasters, that kind of thing, the hydrogen peroxide will, will preserve that water for a long, long time. And it tastes better than bleach. <laughs> a lot of people used to use bleach for that. Hmm. All right. So, uh, yeah, so H2O2 is a good idea. Colloidal silver is also good to use for that. You can even use copper coins if they're truly copper and if they're clean. You can put silver and copper coins in the bottom of a container and and put water in it. And the antimicrobial effects of the copper and the and the silver will actually preserve that water. It will prevent the growth of, of bacteria and, and even molds. Um, you know, that, that's what they used to do, I mean, for thousands of years in human history. Just use these copper containers, and they really worked. Well, I have, I have a question for you based around that. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the reasons that we put chlorine in our water is to destroy microbes, and then when we ingest it, um, it can actually interfere with our own um, intestinal, uh, you know, gut flora. Is this the same with something like colloidal silver, or or with with coins or anything like that? Or, or yeah, that's peroxide? a really good point. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin. When you drink chlorine, you do imbalance your intestinal flora, and I think no doubt there's some effect like that when you're consuming, uh, say, excessive amounts of colloidal silver. It's all about the dose. A small amount is not going to be a problem because you have you know, you have a healthy intestinal flora. Uh, they are stronger at staying alive than the weak microbes that were in the water. 
And, and plus, your body's going to absorb some of that as a trace mineral, so not all of that's going to get to your small intestine or your large intestine, for example. So I wouldn't worry about it unless you're just going crazy with the colloidal silver. Just keep right. it keep it in balance and use a variety of different things like H2O2. It's really good. Yeah, and the, and the colloidal silver or the, the hydrogen peroxide won't do the things that chlorine will do if, it, that, if that's absorbed into your system as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It won't give you bladder cancer, which is what chlorine is. Oh, my God. You know, I, I don't know how people swim in public pools. I, I have no idea how they do it. I mean, not just the chlorine, which is just, I don't know, I touch public pool water and my skin just starts to shrivel up. It has so much chlorine in it, I can't even get near it. But beyond that, think about what's in the water that they're trying to kill with the chlorine. You know, all the stuff from the people who jump into the public pools, ah, not a not a pleasant thought. So let's move on, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> Something a little more okay. pleasant. All right. Uh, Daniel from Toronto is asking, uh, he says his research shows that the alkaline ionized water makes the hydration and the quality of the fluids optimized and therefore disease becomes non-existent within the cells. Uh, okay, so he's asking, is that why many people recommend alkalized water? I want to talk about alkalizing your water. Uh, first of all, that statement that, that you sent in, Daniel, I don't think that, that necessarily follows as a, as a definite cause and effect. It can be a factor for sure. But here, here's the deal on al- alkalized water, in my opinion. You, there are times when you need water that is just a normal or neutral pH, and that's when you're trying to digest your food. A lot of people have very poor digestion. And digestion requires high levels of stomach acid. You know, you've, you've got to have a very low pH, which means a very acidic solution in your stomach if you want to absorb calcium, magnesium, trace minerals, or many proteins. And you've got to have a lot of acid in there to break apart the food you're eating. If you add alkalized water or alkaline water to that meal, you're going to have massive indigestion. Not a good picture. No, it won't, won't be comfortable, believe me. You do not want to alkalize your, your, your meal. You want to acidify that meal. If anything, you know, take some vinegar or something. That will help you digest. The only time to drink alkalized water is between meals when your stomach is completely empty and you're not trying to digest anything. In, during those times, it can be very, very useful. You can bring in a, a lot of you know, a lot of this high pH alkalized uh, of water, which is heavily mineralized, by the way, typically. And, you know, that, that can have a very strong alkalizing effect on the body. However, if you drink just one can of soda, you, you will counteract or nullify maybe five gallons of alkalized water. The phosphoric acid in soda is so strong. I've done this on a tabletop. You know, you have a bunch of pH liquids, and you take alkalized water, and you pour it into this vat, and then you take a soda, and you pour it in, and you watch the colors change. One can of soda destroys the alkalinity for, for a long, long time. I mean, a huge amount of water. Yeah. So some people are out there, you know, they're drinking sodas all day, and then they have an 8-ounce glass of alkalized water, and they think in their minds, they think, oh, you know, I counteracted the soda with this glass of alkaline water. Not even close. Doesn't work that way. 
you, you need to have a completely, your diet needs to be completely free of phosphoric acid. And then you bring in the alkalized water. It can have a huge benefit. And, but even in that case, only between meals. Now, will it cure cancer? I don't, I don't think that's a valid claim, personally. Will it help your body boost immune function? Well, it certainly can, but it depends on what else you're doing to your body, too. But too many consumers, Kev, I know you'll agree with this, too many consumers, they eat poison, they live poison, they put poison on their skin, they breathe in poison, and then they look for the one magic bullet, one thing that they think can save them. You know, and this week it's the water alkalizer, or next week it's an herb from South America. It never works that way. You've got to clean up your life, get the poisons out, and then you can start healing from the inside out through the use of alkalized water or medicinal herbs or superfoods or fresh living juice and all, all of those things. Is that, you, do you find that to be true a lot too, Kevin? Oh, of, of course, and healthy thoughts too. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, a huge topic that, that, you know, when you find yourself thinking negatively or, or, or worrying about, you know, what's the next thing that's going to save you, I mean, you really get into this downward spiral that sometimes it feels like there's no way of, of getting out. And if, if you can slowly bring one or two of these things into your daily practice, do it for 21 days, do it for 30 days, and see if it works for you. I mean, the results over a period, a long period of time, um, are, are much more, um, they're much more tangible and they're, and they're, they're much more rewarding than if you're to jump from one thing to another, you know, every other day or every other week. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like the way you describe that is bringing something in and making it part of your life for 21 days, and then add something new. In fact, if if once a month or each month, if you can let go of one poison, you know, a literal poison like uh, antibacterial soap, for example, <laughs> let go of one poison and bring in one healing thing, whether it's a it's a hydration technology like a water alkalizer, or bringing in superfood, a new superfood product that you're mixing with water. Or something. Bring in something new each month. If you can do that, then by the end of the year, you will have moved in the right direction by 24 steps, right? Because 12 things, 12 poisons are gone, 12 yep. healing things are, are back in your life. That's 24 steps in the right direction. And for most people, to overcome cancer or diabetes or heart disease doesn't even take 24 steps. Yeah. You know, it can be done in far fewer. In, in over 10 years, that's 240. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it builds like that. It's incredible. Hey, you yeah, mentioned. Um, oh, go ahead. No, oh, no, you go ahead. I was going to ask another question here. If you if you wanted to add to that, let's let's, let's continue on it. Well, no, I was just going to go on to the next question. Oh, okay, cool. Let's, okay, let's see here. And, I'll, I'll ask yeah. I'll ask this one here because it because it. All it, right, go ahead. Before we get too far away from the veggie juice, um, Kathleen from uh, Oregon asks, with veggie juice, if you buy it for the store, how long? Does it generally stay alive? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, if you buy it from the store, unless you're buying it freshly made right there, right in front of you, like you can hear the blender, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you're buying it at the store, it's already dead. Otherwise, they wouldn't sell it there. Now, there are just a few exceptions to this. And there's a brand, for example, called Bradford. Uh, the website is bradfordtonic.com. They sell raw, vegan, fresh juices in Florida. <clears throat> and there may be some others locally around around the country, some in California, and so on. But all of those typical juices that you see at the health food store, the Adwala, you know, the Coke and Pepsi juice products, all of those, no matter what they say they have in them, 
oh, it's loaded with acai, it's loaded with chlorella, it's super green, it's super berry. Yeah, it's also super dead. That's why it's sitting on a shelf there, pasteurized in a plastic bottle, being degraded by the light, being degraded over time. It's dead. You know, people are kidding themselves, in my opinion, in my opinion, Kevin, if they think that drinking those juices is going to be very beneficial for their health. They're all dead juices, just like V8. It's all dead. Live juice is, it's almost immeasurable how much better live juice is for your health. But you've got to make it yourself. Now, if you make live juice, I mean, maybe this is the question that that person was asking. If you make live juice, how long does it stay good for? Well, I've discovered that if you add a little bit of ginger to your live juice, like you're using a juicer and you put a piece of ginger in there, I use a piece about an inch long, Mm-hmm. It will keep in the refrigerator in a glass jar for easily 48 hours without very much loss of, of flavor and nutritional value. Three days is really pushing it, but you can you can keep it for one or two days easily. Without the ginger, it's usually it goes bad in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you want to drink juices within five minutes, and cabbage juice in particular, it degrades. Yeah. Just five minutes where it loses virtually all of its healing power. So, you know, cabbage juice, how it uh, cures ulcers, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to drink it within 60 seconds to cure the ulcer. If you wait longer than that, all of those molecules are oxidized and you don't get the benefits. So think about that. I mean, that is, cabbage is one of the most powerful anti-cancer vegetables on the planet. It is infamous for its anti-cancer Effects and and yet, well, I should I should say famous in that case for anti-cancer effects. Yeah. And, and and yet, people are going out and they're buying juices that have been on the shelf, you know, for 14 days. How much medicine is left in a in a, a plastic bottle of juice that's been on the shelf for 14 days? The answer is almost nothing. It's a waste of money, in my opinion. Make it fresh, or don't or don't drink it at all. And with the and with the cabbage or even cauliflower or broccoli, I mean, if you let that sit, you can smell it. I mean, it smells like the garbage. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no one or two ways about it. So you'll know if it's if it's gone oxidized. Well, what's really interesting about that too is that the fact that it oxidizes so rapidly tells you about the potency of of its ability to oxidize free radicals in your body. See, if it's pulling oxygen molecules out of the air and oxidizing right there in front of you. It will do the same thing in your body. Just drink it. Slam that cabbage juice down and let it go to work in your body, scavenging all the free radicals right there. I mean, the the chemistry that happens right there on your kitchen counter is the same chemistry that happens in your body. So get that in you as quickly as possible. Oh, here's a tip, another tip, by the way. If you juice lemons or grapefruit or any citrus fruit and then you put that juice into a bowl, and then as you juice cabbage or broccoli or celery, you have that juice flow into the same bowl so that the minute the cabbage juice touches uh, the container, it's being protected by lemon juice, then you will greatly reduce the oxidation. In other words, you'll, you'll preserve the cabbage juice longer so that you get the benefits from drinking it. That's a great tip. We have yeah, a yeah. couple questions that came in Always about... What was that? Uh, I was saying always do the citrus first. And I know that this is 
this hour is about water, but when we talk about water, we have to talk about citrus and juicing because that is the number one best source of water <clears throat> that you can possibly consume. Yeah, high, highly mineralized, nutrient-rich. So let's, let's talk one more question about, about green juices. Um, two people asked this question, and uh, Tyron, and let's see who else here. Uh, Doug asked this question, is, is, is it okay to use green powder with green juice, like adding it to, to your green juice? What, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, I do that. I do that all the time. Uh, whatever juice I get, uh, I don't just drink it as it is. I actually use a Vitamix at very low power just to kind of stir it together with either a Synergy or a Boku superfood or some other kind of nutrient-rich green superfood. And I do that because when I juice, I might juice six different vegetables, but those superfood powders might have 20. And I want to make sure I get a little bit of medicine from each of the 20. Now, I know that those superfood powders are not, they're not as alive as the juice I just made, but that's why I mix them. So I'm getting the live juice that I just made plus the extra phytonutrients from the dried vegetables that are in the powder. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You, you'd mentioned BPA before, and yeah. and I wanted to I wanted to talk about that because there's there's actually been a lot of back and forth, as there always is in the media. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth recently about um, the pluses and minuses, and there's, it seems like there's almost some sort of um, discussion about the the dangers for children, and 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 you know some people think that that it is, some people have misreported the fact. Um, so what what's been your experience with that, and what are some of the things that you can you can explain to people, because I know a few people had a question about that. I followed this issue very closely and really looked hard at the science on this. Uh, the FDA, of course, claims that bisphenol A is completely safe. And everybody else in the world, Canada, the UK, I mean, any country that's really made a decision on it has declared the opposite, that it's, that it's very unsafe. But here's the deal. When you talk about safety of anything, you have to talk about the, the dose or the, the level of exposure. And with typical contaminants, whether you're talking about pesticides, PCBs, or heavy metals, uh, the contamination level is usually measured in parts per million. For example, mercury might say, well, anything over two parts per million is toxic. Okay, so they set that at, at the, that's the level of safe exposure to mercury. And that's just an example. It might actually be different. But when it comes to BPA, here's the thing. Because these are so biologically active, they actually are, they, they function as hormones in the human body, they become contaminants at parts per billion. So you can have a thousand times less bisphenol A than, say, a heavy metal, and it can still be a bioactively dangerous level, if that's a proper phrase, <laughs> a physiologically dangerous amount, even at parts per billion. That's why they're so concerned about it, because a lot of tests don't even look at parts per billion. They're all looking at parts per million, typically. And they think, oh, if it's under one part per million, it must not be a problem. But with bisphenol A, it very well can be a big problem. Now, I've actually, I'm, I'm on the record saying that even though that that's true, people are getting so overexcited about BPA, they're more worried about the container than what's in the container. You know what I mean? They're talking about, oh, should it be plastic or glass or aluminum or, or stainless steel. I'm like, folks, 
you need to be worried about what's in that container. Because if you're drinking dead juices with artificial colors and refined sugars, it doesn't matter what bottle they're in. They're going to be terrible for your health. On the other hand, if you're drinking live juice, fresh juice, living water, you could put that in plastic and drink that all day. You'd be fine. Because what's in the bottle is far more important than what the bottle is made of, in my view. Now, that being said, the best thing to, to drink would be living fresh juice or just clean water, even distilled water, in a glass container. And that's what Aquasana sells, are those decanters, those glass containers. They're really great. I take them to the gym, and I drink out of well, they're glass. glass. They're glass. Oh, wow. They're, yeah, they're thick, and they're really hard to break, although I did manage to do it once. <laughs> at the gym. And, not at the gym, fortunately. Okay. Well, I'm sure they'd be thrilled. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing bringing glass containers into the gym? Um, the other option, of course, is stainless steel, which is fine, too. But you may have noticed there's two caveats. Stainless steel, because it conducts electricity, it causes – this is this is interesting. I haven't figured out the science behind this, but it causes fresh vegetable juice to spoil more quickly yes. than a glass container. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. You, isn't that freaky? It's weird. It's one of those yeah, things that you you kind of got to like you got to maybe wait a little bit longer for people to uh to do a little more study on it, I think. Yeah, I I think they will find out someday that it's it's the electrical conductivity of the container itself that is causing it's making a more conducive environment for the growth of bacteria. And and as you know, the minute you make fresh juice, it's it's got bacteria in it, ready to go. If you don't drink it, they will, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's and great. by the way, I apologize for talking over you. I we're having a little bit of a delay here, so. I'm oh, not that's to what talk. it is. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so so we've answered a lot of good questions. We have a lot more. Where do you want us to go next, Kev? Let's um. Let's see. There's a few here. Uh, Carissa wants to know about wetter water, and I believe this is kind of some of the stuff that that Doctor um, Oh Jesus, his name is, is escaping me right now. Um, Phi, Phi Science, um, I'll, I'll remember it. But um, wetter water in terms of you know what are people adding to make the water wetter? You've heard the term um, before, yeah. and, and is that something that that's, that's valuable or not? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Uh, you you can have wetter water, which of course means water with lower surface tension, so it, it's absorbed more easily into the body cells. Wetter water, there are a lot, again, there are a lot of technologies out there, and there are a lot of products. You know, like you can buy this structured water or this, <clears throat> excuse me, this wetter water uh, in a four-ounce bottle, and you add a few drops to your water, and it makes your water wetter. Well, that's great, but, you know, you can do the same thing with lime juice, <laughs> Buy a lime or a lemon, squeeze a few drops in there, and you've got wetter water for pennies, you know, instead of instead of big dollars. I'm not saying those products don't work. They do work, but they work because they follow the laws of Mother Nature. And Mother Nature has wetter water found at the grocery store. It's in a, a spherically shaped uh, yellow fruit called a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> if you want wetter water, just go there and get it. Um, a lot of things like that when it comes to water, you know, you can again. You can spend a lot of money, and some places you you do need to spend money, like a water filter. 
but there are a lot of places where I find that uh, people are spending money on water technologies that that completely unnecessary. You just get it from from nature. And and I've done these experiments. You know, I live in a desert, so water is very very important here. And I've done experiments where I wake up in the morning and I, I hydrate with just a glass of RO filtered water versus other mornings where I wake up and I squeeze some lemon into it and I drink that. And the hydration factor is, is a huge difference. One thing I noticed, I'll, I'll pass this along to folks, if you're drinking water that's not wet enough, doesn't, it's not being absorbed enough, it will tend to go through you very quickly. So you'll chug a bunch of that water and then you'll be running to the restroom. It's, you're just recycling the water like NASA. <laughs> the space shuttle system. Yeah. You read about headlines recently. Yeah. So you're just filtering water. And it's not really going into your body. But if you if you squeeze lemon juice into it or lime juice, and you can add a little bit of stevia if you want to sweeten it up. And another secret is put in one or two drops of white vinegar. Really, just one or two drops. It makes the water sweeter. Somehow, it makes it sweet. It doesn't taste like vinegar at all. Do that. That water will be absorbed. You'll drink it, and you won't run to the restroom because the water is in your cells where it's supposed to be. So you can try that yourself. See what works for you. That's a great, that's a great tip. And, and it's Dr. Patrick Flanagan is who, was, who I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Before, that's right. So. He's got a few different, few different products that... that wetter water type things. Let's see, Carol Carol asks, um, you know, with our economic times, and this might actually be relevant to you out in Ecuador as well, you know, what are some, some ways to treat water um, in a situation where you might not be able to have access to a filter or, or anything like that? Oh, okay, great question. There's a, a product out there that I'd love to recommend. It's called Nascent Iodine. And that's spelled N-A-S-C-E-N-T, nascent iodine. And you can find this from a couple of different places. I, um, I think integratedhealth.com has it. Uh, just search for nascent iodine. You'll find some sources. This is an amazing product for lots of reasons, not only because it contains trace iodine, which, of course, is great for thyroid. It's great for preventing breast cancer, prostate cancer, and so on. But it also functions as a very safe, water purifier. Now, even though it tastes like iodine, it is molecularly very different from the type of iodine you might find for, you know, uh, sterilizing wounds, you know? You know I'm talking about like a first aid kit iodine? It's not like that. Yeah. You, can, you can safely drink this, and I've done it on many, many occasions. When I travel, I always take this with me. So if I'm down in South America, and I'm at a restaurant, and they're serving me up a glass of water, you know, there's no way I'm going to drink that without putting in some nascent iodine. You put in a few drops, you stir it, and you have to wait three or four, even five or six minutes is better to let the iodine go to work, essentially killing any of the microbes in the water, purifying it, and then you can drink that. There are some other devices, um, like UV light devices. One of them, I think, is called the SteraPen. I own one of those. I've, I've tried to use it camping. Uh, more trouble than it's worth, in my opinion. You need batteries. You have to hold it in at the right depth and all these things. You know, getting clean water shouldn't be complicated. Yeah. The nascent iodine works. You take out a few drops, you put it in the water, you stir it up, and then it's safe to drink. Now, it won't eliminate heavy metals. 
But if you have if you have a healthy diet and you're drinking or eating chlorella or parsley or cilantro, you're going to get rid of those heavy metals anyway. I mean, here, here's, here's something that people need to know. The heavy metal load that scares everybody to death out there is really only dangerous to people who eat junk food, who don't have a healthy diet in the first place. If you are drinking superfoods and eating superfoods, you are eliminating heavy metals more quickly than you can accumulate them unless unless you go somewhere that's like downstream from a coal mine and you start chugging that water, yeah, you can load up on mercury. But barring that situation, if you're healthy and doing superfoods, you are you are more most likely eliminating more mercury than you could possibly be taking in from, say, a trip to Mexico. So you need to keep that in mind. Well, John, does, does that help? No, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's. And where where can they get in, um, nascent iodine again? Oh, uh, I think it's integratedhealth.com. Let me actually just verify that here. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Integrated. That's with an ed on the end. Integratedhealth.com. And on that site, you will see nascent iodine. It's in the left column. You can click on it. And it's thirty six ninety five for an ounce. Sounds cool. expensive, but. A little bit of this stuff goes a long way. Cool. That's great. Yeah. John asked a question. You know, recently Vitamix has switched from polycarbonate to non-polycarbonate. Have you been following that? And have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I noticed that they did that. I I know they did that because of the consumer demand. I mean, yeah. people are just asking for. People are more and more aware of the dangers of plastics. I think you know, in the Vitamix, it makes sense because you've got food uh, flying around in there. Pretty, pretty fast. You're essentially rubbing the, the edges of the container with your smoothie, especially if you have things like chia seeds in there. So it makes sense. But, you know, I wish they had a glass container. Yeah, I don't know why they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The motor is so strong it might shatter it or something. I don't know. But I, I wish they had that. Until then, I think you have to think about the benefits versus the risk. You know, I hate to use an FDA phrase, but in this case... It makes sense. I mean, when you when you use a Vitamix, you're also exposing yourself to huge EM pollution, electromagnetic pollution. If you've ever held an EM meter up to your Vitamix, you turn that sucker on, that meter just is spiked. You know, like if you stood there 24-7, you'd have cancer for sure. Hmm. But does that mean you should stop using your Vitamix? No way, because you only use it for a few seconds at a time, and what you're drinking out of the Vitamix more than makes up for the exposure to electromagnetic pollution. Wow. I, I I think it's important for consumers to always think about that, the benefits versus the risks of everything that they do. Like even with water, you know, you, you could spend a lot of money on a device that, say, creates a water vortex. Well, what's the benefit versus the, versus the cost? The thing about vortex water is that it's almost impossible to know the benefit. How do you know? I mean, what's different about the water that you can measure? Maybe you feel better. That would be an experiential truth. But I've tested those devices, and I can't feel anything different. I feel the best feeling I get is drinking celery juice. Every other piece of technology that I've ever tried is inferior to celery juice. So there you go. Paul from Austin asks, what's the best way to remove fluoride from tap water, um, considering that, 
you know, some of the the carbon filters and some of the micron filters don't don't remove it. Yeah, you you got to go with the right filter. The the Aquasana filters again, they have different materials in there that do absorb fluoride, mm-hmm. and of course they also absorb VOCs, the volatile organic compounds, which would include various pharmaceuticals and lots of other chemicals. You want to go with more than just carbon block. And thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, a really great point. Um, I don't know exactly what materials they use. Some there's a there's a metal that's used in many filters that helps attract different uh, contaminants. So, I wish I, do you know the name of that metal, Kevin? What they're using? It's an alumina type um, type filter, like filter that will actually attract it. From from what I've from what I've learned from this program, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, uh, even cities will use alum as one of the main ingredients. You know, to trap trap contaminants. Yeah. But uh, I thought there was another. I thought there was zinc used in some of the shower filters and things like that. Anyway, I apologize that I don't I don't recall the, the metal. Just make sure that the filters you buy are more than just carbon block. And another point on those filters, this is a really important point when it comes down to economics, is that those companies, you think about those companies, whether it's Aquasana or Brita or Pure or whoever it is, how do they make money? They make money by selling you filters, and that's it. They want you to throw away the filter as quickly as possible and buy a new one. So they all vastly underestimate the lifespan of their filters. They encourage you to change it after, I think Pure wants you to change it after 100 gallons, or maybe it's even 40 gallons now. They keep getting smaller and smaller. Uh, You know, for most people, you can use those filters far longer than that. I've used the filter three or four times as long as what was recommended, but it depends on the quality of your water. So if you're in a city where the water is pretty close to clean, you can use a filter for a lot longer than what they recommend and save yourself quite a bit of money on it. How do you know how long you can really use it? Well, that's why it's good to be able to test your water using a like a home test kit for chlorine so that you can run your water through a, a, a pure or Brita filter or an Aquasana filter, and you can test it every month or so and find out when is the chlorine level coming back up in the filtered water. That's when you know the filter is used. But but these companies have no they have no uh, motivation to tell you the true life of those filters. And when you talk about home testing, what are what are some of the you know, where can someone get just a little kit, and what kits work and what kits don't? You can get you can get kits at well. In fact, there was a question that came in here about a kit you can buy at Home Depot for ten dollars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a, that's a very good kit actually. Those little little ten dollar kits you can buy at Walmart even or Amazon.com. They work. They they're usually just like litmus test paper. They just test for the the presence of some contaminant, how much chlorine, how much you know, heavy metals, whatever is in the water. They're fine. They can give you a good indication. They typically don't give you a qualitative answer. Like, they're not going to tell you parts per million of anything. They're just going to tell you if it's present in an amount that's considered unsafe. Now, if you're into gardening, like I am, I, I do have a lot of gardening technology, so I've got water analysis devices, but they can get expensive, five or $600, but they can tell you everything, parts per million, the alkalinity, they can tell you the conductivity, all that kind of stuff. If you want to get that, 
go to a hydroponic supply store in your local city and tell them you want to, to get a device that tests water quality. And they'll have all, all sorts of devices there. Or you can search online at a hydroponic uh, online retailer and you can find these kinds of devices. They're really handy. I, I have one because when I'm down in South America, I'm always testing the well water down there. And you wouldn't believe this, but the last well we drilled down there, the water that comes out of the well is less than 50 parts per million of total dissolved solids, wow. which is, it's, it's almost, it's pristine. I mean, it's almost distilled water. I mean, even the people there couldn't believe it. It's wow. Some of the best water in the world. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's in South America. I don't, I don't know if I can get down here in North America in any places. I've I've seen some of the uh, like the the tap waters. I've tested some of the tap waters with the little the little um, wand that I have, and and they can, it depends, but they come out usually around 100, 100, and, 150. But you can look at your city water, and some of these city waters, I mean, like it's close up to 500. I mean, it's in, it's insane how much <laughs> how much they they you know can can just pump through your pipes, and and if you have old pipes and all this sort of stuff, I mean, you can really be in a situation that you kind of don't want to be in. It's pretty crazy what what they will will push through the pipes and declare to be safe. You got to think about what the health authorities in our country consider to be safe. And I know everyone listening here will agree with this because you know you read natural news or you're, you're following this information, so you know this. But they think that safety means dead. If something's sterilized, it must be safe, no matter how many chemicals are in it. So the whole theory. I mean, the food supply, too. The whole theory of this, from water to food to anything, is to kill it with chemicals. This is how they treat the water with chlorine. This is how they kill and pasteurize the milk to destroy the live cultures that are in milk. This is also how they treat disease in the human body. What do they do with cancer? Kill it with chemicals. Poison the body and call it medicine. So in every area, this overriding philosophy of Western science is kill it with chemicals and then declare it safe. And this is a huge problem because the chemicals are, in fact, more dangerous than, in many cases, than the germs that they're killing. Now, of course, no one wants to drink tap water and have, you know, Giardia coming out. <laughs> but if you're drinking tap water, you know, it's a huge mistake in the first place. You should filter it. Um, in, in any case, that philosophy is very dangerous. And I think it's only going to get us into trouble long term. I mean, we're already in trouble. We've got infertility rates are skyrocketing in this country because of what people are drinking and because of the chemical exposure. So fast forward a generation. I think, Kev, I think we're going to see infertility rates at 50, 60, maybe even 70% in North America. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, the, you know, the... I know this is just slightly off topic, so I'll make it brief, but the, the future of the human race is based entirely on being able to preserve the genetic code and to be able to pass it from one generation to, to the next in a way that is intact, right? I mean, everyone would agree with that statement. The genetic code is the future of the race. Well, the genetic code of the human race now, especially North American or Western consumers, is being altered by pharmaceuticals. I just did a story on that. The antidepressants are altering DNA in sperm. The, the chemicals in consumer care products are altering DNA. 
infertility rates are skyrocketing, and it's also the chemicals in the water. It's the the lack of healthy body function, the lack of healthy uh, uh, living cells in the body or probiotics in the body. All of these things are, are accumulating to create a devastating effect on the gene pool of the human race. And I've publicly predicted this, and I'm going to make it an even stronger prediction in an upcoming book, but the future of the human race belongs solely to those who follow natural health principles. Because those who do not are, in effect, winning the Darwin Award. The Darwin Award is going to be handed out to all those consumers that destroy their DNA with chemicals and, and, and medications, and toxic additives in their food and in their beverages, because they will not be able to have offspring after two, three, or four generations. So that's a huge issue. And... When you think about your water, you need to be thinking about, uh, in essence, protecting your DNA. And that means purifying it. That means getting rid of all the things that could threaten your DNA, you know, especially fluoride, chlorine, and, and things like that. And then bringing in the, the, living, the living water from Mother Nature as much as possible. So sorry to get off topic there, but I thought you might find that interesting. Oh, I, I love hearing about that. <laughs> I've heard you say that before, and I, and, I, and I like it even more every time I hear it. Rosemary, Rosemary asks, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, so if you're not, we'll, we will pass on it, but um, are you familiar with John Ellis's water treatment that heats and cools the water? Um, I'm not familiar with it, but oh, I was just wondering if I, you were. Uh, is this the one that pulls water out of the air? Is that the machine she's talking about? No, someone else asked about that. That was the second question. That I had after this one, so. Then I, I, I'm with you. I'm not familiar with John Ellis's technology, but let me answer the question about the water making machines. Yes. They are, in essence, water condensers. They just use a, a, a coolant in a coil, follows the properties of condensation, and then collects water. And yeah, they can pull water right out of the air. Uh, that's great, but have you ever consumed water from one of those devices? They taste like pipes. <laughs> Because uh, the water does it, because it's, it's flowing down on these coils, and then you have to filter the water to be able to drink it, just to, to improve the taste. So it's distilled water because it's being pulled out of the air, just like rainwater. So it's a it's a great way to to essentially create water out of air. But think of the energy cost. You're using an enormous amount of electricity, especially if you're in a low humidity region like virtually the entire southwest of the United States, you, you could burn up all kinds of coal or, you know, spending electricity producing CO2 emissions in the, in the effort of trying to create a gallon of water out of the air. I'm not sure that it's worth that. In fact, I think it's not. Unless you're going to run it on solar. So if you want to spend $5,000 on solar panels to run your water condenser, <laughs> wow. it would be the most expensive water in the world. <laughs> Here, have some. Have a thousand dollar glass of water. <laughs> oh man! At least it's sun power, right? <laughs> yeah, at least it's sun power. But I'm the kind of guy that's crazy enough to actually try something like that. But I did the math on that first. I was like, I'm not going to spend <laughs> okay. money on just proving that you yeah, can make water from the sun. <laughs> got a, I got a couple other questions here. Um, some of them were for, from Doug. Doug seems pretty active here. He's got. 
and he's got some good ones too from Dallas. Good Doug. Yeah, no, good Doug. And and one thing he asked about is prill beads. Have you have you seen those before? I've read about them before. Um, they're little beads that you stick in your water. Have you, you any experience with those or not? Oh, is this along the lines of the the energy wands that you can stir your water with too, or is that different? Well, the the next question was the energy one. So you're, you're, you're right. You're, are you like psychic tonight? What's the deal? Because <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking the energy one water. See. Right. Uh, right. People keep walking up to me at events and they keep handing me these energy ones. You like stir your water with this. You know, it's gonna. I just bought one actually. <laughs> yeah. Really? I've never yeah. actually had to buy one. Uh, thing is, this gets to the energy of the water, and I, I I'm very familiar with Dr. Emoto's work and the intention of water or the memory of water. And I believe that, that those principles are, in fact, quite true, that water holds a vibration. It holds a memory. I mean, this is how homeopathy is able to function. And we, we know that homeopathy produces uh, uh, replicable results. And even though we don't know how, we know that there must be something in the structure or the memory of the water. So that principle, I believe, is absolutely true. But... We do not have the tools yet to measure that. This is like trying to study germs before the invention of the microscope. You know, no one in medicine even believed in germs until the microscope was invented and they could actually see them. They thought, what do you mean germs? You don't need to wash your hands. No such thing. You know, infections are caused spontaneously. This was the, the overriding belief of Western medicine for hundreds of years, maybe 500 years. Well, Today, we cannot see these energetic imprints on water, even though we know experientially that they exist. But getting to the wands, the question is, do these wands or do these pearls or different devices, I've seen lots of devices, do they imprint the water in a way that, in other words, do they really work? Do they change the water structure in some way that's real? My answer to that is, I don't know. I don't have any evidence to, that tells me that they do work. I've, I've drank the water. I've played with them. You know, I've stirred the water around. You know, I've tried it with and without. I can't tell any difference. So I have no evidence that those devices work, even though I believe in the principles of water memory and water intention imprinting. I want to be very clear about that. I don't want to get a bunch of complaints after this. Like, what? You don't believe in homeopathy or whatever? No, yeah, I, yeah. water definitely holds information. It's a lot more complex than just basic chemistry. There is an energetic component. I believe in that. But whether uh, a magic wand can alter that energetic imprint, I personally do not have any uh, experience to validate that. Have you, do you, Kevin? Do you have any experience to validate that? I'm, I'm curious. No, I don't have experience to, to validate it. But we we bought it from from a, a good friend of ours. So so you know we we they said here get one of these. I said all right. And um, they, Anne Marie opened it up out of the package, and she's like, "This thing's plastic." And I was like, "Oh man!" I'm, <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> so we well, haven't used it as much as we wanted to. <laughs> the question that I've learned to ask people who are, are manufacturing or selling these kind of energy devices, and this includes, you know, the purple plates that you've seen. This includes um, various disease diagnoses, uh, diagnostic devices that use like a electro, um, how do you say, they use various harmonics and electricity to try to diagnose devices, like you've even got Rife devices and things like that out there. The question yeah. that I ask all of these individuals is, how do you know if it stops working? 
like your wand, the wand that you stir in the water. How do you know if it stops working? Yeah. Well, you don't. And if there's no way to know that it stops working, there's probably no way to know that it is working. And therefore, you have to be, you have to ask skeptical questions about it. And and I do. And so, as a result, I don't use any of those devices. I drink celery juice, lemon juice, lime juice. All the magic that I need is found in the fresh produce. And personally, Kev, I don't have uh, space in my office. It's full of products that people have sent me. I don't have space for stuff that I don't even know how to test. (laughs) You know what I mean? What am I going to do with a shelf full of devices that, may or may not work, and there's no way to tell. I don't mean to sound like a total skeptic or anything, but, you know, i got to go with what I know is working. And what I know is working is, is Mother Nature's water. That's and, a, that's a great and, and water filters. Like, you can test the water before and after you put it through an aquasana filter. You can test the difference. You can verify it. It's cleaner, you know. With, with, with nutritional supplements, you can test it. You can feel it. You can test your blood if you wanted to, and you can see the difference in your blood. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in a lot of alternative uh, medicine philosophies. You know, uh, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, network chiropractic care, lots of things. But I, I always ask the questions that I think a good skeptic would ask, which is, how is it working? How can I verify that it's working? And how do I know if it stops working? And I think those are, those are valid questions to ask. Well, we have two more questions that, that I wanted to uh, wanted to put out there. I think we've covered a good portion of, of everyone's questions here, which is really nice to kind of fit into this this hour. And I hope you have about you know three or four more minutes, Mike, to to, to cover. Oh man, I have I have lots more time. If you want to hang, <laughs> or want to hang on, we can just keep going here. All right. Well, let's let's see what we have here. Um, uh, someone asked about skin in water. Is there anything that you can add to water um, to help with? Uh, to, to make the skin healthier and, and clearer and, and vibrant. I think that gets to the issue of wetter water. Uh, skin needs a lot of hydration to look good, to feel good, to function well. And many people today are really concerned about losing weight, right? And there is there's a hesitancy to take in too much water for fear that it's going to raise the, the numbers on the bathroom scale. You know, people actually, they like to lose water weight because it makes them feel lighter. But that's a huge mistake. I've said this in weight loss books, that the best way to lose body fat is to hydrate extremely well while you're also on a calorie restriction diet because the hydration lets your body know that it's not in a state of stress. You see, when your body's stressed, it's not going to get rid of body fat. It's not going to let it go. It's going to think there's an emergency. Hold on to resources. When you hydrate, your body relaxes better. Your skin is more full, more puffy, actually, especially if you go swimming in the ocean and you get the salt water in there. You ever notice that? Your skin gets Mm -hmm. puffy. That is the healthiest state of hydration for your skin that, that you could possibly have. But many people interpret that as looking kind of chubby. You know, it's not cool in modern culture to look a little chubby. Everybody wants to be ripped and cut. You know, they want to look athletic. Well, those people that look athletic in those photos, they're all dehydrated, every one of them. And they can only stay in that state for a few minutes or an hour, maybe two hours at the most, and they have to go hydrate. All those photos that you see, you know, the fitness photos, they're all dehydrated. 
Oh, yeah, so, they are, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way to do it. They cut water. They put on the, 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 what do you call it, like the suit, the plastic suit, and they go in the sauna or they get on the bike and they shed water like crazy. They go take the photo, and then they go drink a gallon of water. Yeah, and they don't <laughs> take any salt. I know. It's, it's insane. We've we got to talk about salt tonight, too. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, but well, did that answer that question? I forgot what the question was. <laughs> the, the question was here. Let me just let me just scroll down. Um, I was taking some some notes for some some, pre, some questions moving forward. Um, let's flip my notes over here. The question was skin. Oh, yeah, skin. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. The healthiest skin is fully hydrated skin, but it looks puffy. My um, my buddy Dell from Norwalk asks. Uh, What's your current feeling on fresh coconut water from young coconuts? And then what about, you know, some of the Tetra Pak containers that you get at the store? I mean, is this is this okay? Or, I mean, is it like kind of a next best option? Ooh, yeah. Okay, coconut water, definitely. 100% thumbs up on that. That's like Mother Nature's miracle hydration liquid. Coconut water is, in fact, in many ways, even better than vegetable juice because, you know, of how closely it mimics uh, human blood. Without you know, without the hemoglobin, of course. But you know, it's it's true that in World War II they actually used uh, coconut water as IVs to save soldiers' lives when they didn't have IV solution because it's a it's like a saline solution with a lot of sugar in it too. So uh, yes, on coconut water, but only if it's fresh, only if it's from coconuts that are not dipped in formaldehyde, which is a big problem with coconuts being imported into the U.S. In fact, I know. Um, Last time I was down at the Tree of Life Center with Dr. Gabriel Cousins, they stopped using coconuts because they couldn't get them if they weren't dipped in formaldehyde. You know, everything that comes into this country these days, the, the health authorities want to irradiate it or dip it in chemicals or somehow kill it before they will let consumers eat it. it, it it's bizarre. Now, okay, the second part of that question was the Tetra Pak containers. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer on that. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a, the best option available. I'm skeptical of any kind of packaging other than glass or stainless steel. Uh, glass is obviously the best way to go, but it's very expensive, and, and it's even dangerous if you have children. They can, you know, they can drop the glass and step on it. Not, not a pretty thing. Um, I don't know. Any, anything that's a package that contains food or, or beverages I think should be avoided because it's not just that they're standing there in that package. It's that they have been sloshed around for possibly a hundred hours during shipment as it's being moved onto the shelf and then it's sitting there and you don't even know what temperatures it might have been exposed to during the shipping process. If it's shipped without a refrigerator unit, then it could reach temperatures in the back of the truck of 120 degrees. And, you know, this is what they discovered with diet soda. When you take diet soda and the aspartame chemical in it and you heat it up to the temperatures like they have in, in, uh, in the deserts, that it starts breaking down very rapidly into trace amounts of formaldehyde and formic acid. You're chugging formaldehyde if you're drinking hot diet soda. You know, no wonder it has dangerous neurological effects. So these are just some things to keep in mind. The temperatures that these containers are exposed to can be very, very dangerous. So 
I have one uh, comment here from Laureen, and she actually asked Vitamix why they don't have glass containers. And here's what they said. They said it was too dangerous because people leave things in them, and then they turn them on, and they can shatter the glass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's what's going on here. <laughs> Makes a lot of yes. sense. Thank you, Lorene, for, yes. for, for pointing that out because I, I didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have left things in the Vitamix. You combine a, what is it, a two-and-a-half-horsepower motor with a large piece of glass and frozen <laughs> objects. Yeah, you're just asking for a kitchen emergency. <laughs> yeah. And, and I hope everyone knows out there that, that some lawnmowers – they operate on like three, four, or five horsepower. So literally, you could flip your Vitamix over and, and go out and mow your lawn. It's that powerful. <laughs> well, last time I drank some wheatgrass juice, I thought that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Tom has a question here, Mike. Um, he drinks celery juice and other juices. He wants to know if it's possible to become allergic to um, things like celery or cabbage and maybe even some of the cruciferous vegetables. You know, allergies are, that's a, that's a really complex subject, but I can tell you that I believe Western medicine is completely wrong about allergies. Allergies are really, you know, the body's heightened immune system response to proteins that it thinks are dangerous. I find that, in my experience, allergies are really caused by imbalanced immune system function that's exacerbated by exposure to, to dangerous chemical contaminants. So once you get the poisons out of your body, and you get the processed foods and all the chemicals out, and just clean up your life, you know, live a green life, get the get all the particle board out of your house so you're not breathing in formaldehyde fumes and all those things, then allergies tend to disappear or be calmed substantially. And in fact, in Chinese medicine, the way you overcome allergies is to have, uh, you kind of build up exposure to the, the allergen. And there are probably some Chinese medicine practitioners listening who are like, well, no, that's not exactly right. It's really more detailed than that. But that's just a rough description of how it works. They don't believe in avoiding the allergen for the rest of your life. They believe in essentially teaching your body how to deal with it in a, in a balanced way. So I don't think it's – I've never heard of anyone being allergic to fresh, raw vegetable juice. I'm sure maybe somebody is somewhere, but I've never heard of that. If that were the case, I would suspect that that person is suffering from multiple exposures to just all kinds of chemical contaminants, either past or present, but most likely present. present. And I think a lot of those could be alleviated by living a more holistic lifestyle. Cool. That's a, that's a great answer. Um, Brian asks, how long does it take to rehydrate if you are dehydrated? Oh, wow. Uh, just Just minutes. Just minutes. I mean, if, if you're having, if you drink the wet water or the, the citrus juice water, I mean, I don't know about you, Kev, what your experience is, but my experience is you can hydrate in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, tops. How about you? What, what do you think? When, when I drink a fresh juice, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time. When I drink a fresh juice, it's literally the only, and I consider it a, a kind of a supplement because it, because it is not um, a direct whole food. But when I drink a whole juice, I think it's the only supplement that I that I can take and every single time like I feel something like my eyes open up my face feels brighter um, I, my eyes feel wetter um, my mouth feels really good like everything just seems to like brighten up it's the only thing 
that that you know no fail will make me will give me a physical reaction and that to me is 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 just what's so powerful about it how long does that normally take in your experience oh my it literally like 2 or 3 minutes if not if not less yeah yeah i i feel results that quickly too um full hydration in my experience can take like 15 or 20 minutes if i wake up dehydrated but then again i live in a desert so all night long i'm losing water just by breathing so right. when I wake up in the morning, I'm really dehydrated. That's why first thing I do is I get up and I start drinking water or vegetable juice. Um, it, it does take me a little bit of time to really rehydrate. But you're right. During that process, it's like your brain is waking up, your whole body's waking up and, and starting to function again the way it's supposed to function. So we and, do have a couple more. If you do want to, if you do want to hang in and, and answer them, just let me know if that's okay. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to. But I have another comment on that, that last issue, which is that a lot of people go through life every day in a chronically dehydrated state, and they, they misdiagnose that as being, well, like they need, they, 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 excuse me, they think they need a cup of coffee, or they think that they're suffering from early stages of Alzheimer's disease, or they think they're suffering from chronic fatigue. A lot of those folks, not all of them, but a lot of them are really just chronically dehydrated. If they would get the water in their system, everything would start to work better. Remember that the nervous system is built physically, chemically, it's built mostly of fat. But for that fat, for those neurons to be able to transmit electrical signals, they have to have two things. These two things must be present. They must have water and they must have minerals. If you have water without minerals, it doesn't conduct electricity. If you have minerals without water, you don't have the medium through which the electricity can be conducted. You've got to have both, trace minerals and plenty of hydration. Then the neurons can fire, the signals can travel the way they're supposed to travel. Everything works better. And, you know, people, people in our culture... They wake up, and the first thing they do is they reach for a cup of coffee. And I see it in my own family. And I, I've never been a coffee drinker, but it amazes me how many people are. And there's nothing wrong with it if you used to be one. If you're looking for something better, you might try waking up and drinking some really good celery juice or just a lemon squeezed into some distilled water with some sea salt added in for the mineralization. That, over time can be far more effective than any stimulant. So, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to throw that in there before we go to the next question. <laughs> not, not a problem at all. Usually those are the ones that are the best. <laughs> yeah, you know, because we, we didn't talk about salt that much, but it's so crucial. You know, you can drink all the water in the world, but if you don't have the salt in your body, the, the, the trace minerals, that water will not stay in your body. It'll just function as a water filter. That's great. Jim asks, can lack of water or bad water be an issue that might cause psoriasis or dandruff? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I think most cases of psoriasis or dandruff are caused by a lack of omega-3 fatty acids. I think it's, it's usually an oil deficiency rather than a water deficiency. So that's the short answer on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, TK asks, how much celery juice do you drink a day? 
Uh, if you take a, a, the one-quart mason jars, I typically drink three of those a day of, of fresh juice. And I just drink it throughout the day, start in the morning, and then I drink it with my meals. I'm not a 100% raw foodist, as, as you know. That varies from 70 to 80%. And most, my, my raw food comes in the form of that juice. Other than that, I'm eating soup or quinoa or even today I ate oatmeal. Mm-hmm. So just eat, I eat cooked foods, especially in the winter. I try to eat warm foods to counterbalance the coldness of the fresh juice. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm I'm drinking about almost a gallon of green juice a day, so so we're about at the same we're at the same point. I really feel that, that the value of that is it's unmatched. I'm just I'm I'm completely convinced. Tyrone oh, Tyrone oh, asked Go ahead. Do you do you feel like um if you if you're traveling, right, and you don't have access to a juicer or a blender oh, and you have oh. to drink powdered superfood, like just mixing powder with water don't you feel like you're living in poverty compared to fresh juice? <laughs> we, we, we were just in uh, Santa Monica, and we were lucky enough to have the Santa Monica co-op uh, that's right there, and they make liter bottles of, of green juice. And, and we literally brought, uh, we brought, I think we bought maybe six or seven of them, and we brought them to our, our hotel room in Anaheim because we knew that there was just nothing um, around Anaheim that would that would be matched to that, so it was so it was really nice to to, to be able to get it, and, and I'm glad that we did because otherwise I do feel like I'm in poverty. Yeah, I, I feel the same way when I when I travel. I, in fact, the last time I traveled, I even brought the juicer with me in my luggage. It was the main thing I brought. I set it up in the hotel room, and there I was at 5:30 in the morning juicing carrots and celery in the bathroom of my hotel room, making all kinds of noise. <laughs> just waking up the whole floor. I didn't care because I had to have my juice. You know, that's the most important thing to take with me. I don't care if I left my shoes at home as long as I remember the juicer. <laughs> I can go barefoot, you know. <laughs> right. What's, what's your experience with cell food? Tyrone's been asking, uh, can you can you add that to water and, and if you have any, any, any knowledge of that? Yeah, cell food. I, I'm very familiar with cell food. I, I've interviewed... Uh, the key scientist that works for that company, by the way, the cell food is ex- very, very expensive. And they it's a proprietary formula. They won't really tell you what's in it or how it works or how it's made, you know, mm-hmm. which is fine. I, I respect that. But I suspect it's it's a very expensive way to get something that you could get, that you're probably getting anyway from that uh, fresh produce juice. So, I don't personally buy cell food. I think it's a redundant expenditure. I think I can get the same thing from the fresh produce. And I, I believe this about many supplements. You know, there are lots of things that, that sound great and they do work. But, you know, for $39 per ounce, I mean, how much fresh produce can I buy for $39 in juice instead? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, we have two more questions here. Uh, Simona asks, how can you know if you have enough minerals uh, in your water or probably in your body? I mean, do you, do you recommend any sort of, sort of testing for that? Or Yeah, there's, there's a great test. I don't know if this is true with you, but in, in my experience, if I start to crave salty snacks, like so, suddenly in my brain there's a, there's a message that says, ding, eat some you know, salty chips or something. 
that's the instant that I know I'm deficient in salt and trace minerals. And then I start taking in the trace minerals, and that craving completely goes away. So that's a sign that you're deficient in it. Now, how do you know you have too much? Well, if you have too much, first of all, if you have too much in one setting, you're going to feel nauseated. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I did that one. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that. But the, the other answer is, if you get a lot of salt throughout your body, you're going to get, you know, puffy skin, right? And you're going to you're going to get that hypertension effect, probably. Uh, it's it's hard to overdose on salt because your taste kicks in and it your taste automatically tells you to, to stop eating salt. So it's very hard to overdo it. And now I'm talking about real salt here. I'm not talking about the processed white sodium chloride garbage. I'm talking about real salt. If you're eating the real stuff, sea salt, Celtic salt, uh, Himalayan, sea, uh, Himalayan crystal salt, whatever, then there will be a point where you will just stop eating it naturally. So, see, this is the beauty about Mother Nature. For a lot of these things, it's a self-balancing system. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to measure it. You don't need a piece of technology. Your your body-mind system is the technology, and it will tell you when to get more and when to, to stop eating. But you have to be willing to pay attention to those messages. Well, that's a really good that's a really good answer to that uh, to that question. There is. Um there was one other question here that I wanted to ask, and it was... Oh, yeah, here it is. Good. The question is on a budget, and we'll kind of lead towards the end of this call with, with this question because there's one, call, one question I want to answer, ask after this. This is the kind of question I ask after any call like this. But, but you know, what about someone who is, is on a budget? You know, what do you think is, is the best way to, to go about this? How much are they looking at when it comes to, like, a Aquasana filter um, and and what's the best approach? Well, we, we've actually covered a lot of points on saving money. One of those being that Aquasana is a is a great brand that's very affordable, and that you can typically run a lot more water through it than is advertised. Uh, on a on a dollar per gallon basis, if you do the math, the Brita and the Pure filters are very very expensive. Aquasana is far cheaper per gallon of water that's filtered. So start doing the math on on the, the cents per gallon. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen pure filters sold at stores where it was something like as much as thirty or forty cents a gallon for pure, for filtered water by using their filter. Wow! And that's very very expensive. I mean, that's you know up to seven or eight times the price that it should be. So do the math on these and think about the long-term cost rather than just the upfront cost. And then secondly, don't waste money on on gadgets that may or may not work. Put your money on things that you know work. That would be Mother Nature's medicine. Definitely buying a juicer is a great investment, and the juicer I recommend is Breville. In fact, I wouldn't buy anything else. Reville is the best juicer that I've ever tried. And you're going to need a Vitamix in your kitchen or a similar blender. Those those can be expensive, but they're purchases that last a long, long time. And it's a lot cheaper than being unhealthy, being sick, being in a hospital, those kinds of thing, things. So being healthy is not really 
complicated or very expensive. A couple of couple of expenditures up front, but from there, day to day, you can live healthy on the cheap by avoiding processed foods, avoiding Starbucks, you know, avoiding takeout pizza and things like that that are very expensive but don't really provide you with much health, if any. So that's that's my answer on on the budget question. And I just want to add uh, one more thing about it is that you don't have to buy everything all at once. And I think a lot of people, you know, they they get into this mindset where they have to buy everything at once. I mean, if you're eating um, some some organic, fresh, ripe, raw fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, maybe even some cooked, you know, quinoa and some of this other stuff too, I mean, you don't have to go out and buy every single thing that, you know, we've talked about in this call or that you've heard on any, you know, you've read on some of the websites or you've heard in, in any of Mike's um, articles. I mean, you can buy one thing at a time and just gradually increase, um, you know, the, the, the number of things that you're buying over a period of time. And, you know, your body will, um, you know, it will adjust and you will be able to get um, the health benefits um, for the long term because this isn't a short-term thing for most people. This is a long-term thing where you can continually um, basically increase your um your uh, your insurance policy on you know your own health insurance policy and get the results that you want. Yeah, that's a really good point, Kevin. And I'd like to add to that. It's a it's a question of priorities. Most Western consumers don't even think twice about spending twenty five thousand dollars on a car or a couple hundred thousand dollars on a house. You know, they'll they'll spend big bucks on on things like that. And many of those same people will balk at the idea of spending an extra $2 a pound for fresh produce that's organic. <laughs> you know, it, it's all they blow it all out of proportion. It's like, well, gee, the car and the house is more important than the food. And it really needs to be the other way around. I Personally, I would rather live in an 800-square-foot shack loaded with a juicer, a Vitamix, fresh organic produce than to be in a 5,000-square-foot mansion chewing on junk food. There's no question about it. The, the food needs to be the priority because that's what you are made of. You know, you don't eat your house. I hope not, unless you're feeling paint walls and chewing on that. You know, you don't, you don't eat your car, but you eat your food. It becomes you. Everything that you are physically, biochemically, and to some degree energetically is a reflection of the food you eat. It's the one thing that you can never compromise if you want to maximize your experience as a human being, everything else should be secondary to your food. Well, and uh, let me add, uh, to some people they might say, well, okay, my spiritual practice is number one and food is number two. That's great. That, that's fine. I understand that. I was talking about things in the, in the, in the physical world. Food should be number one. Fair enough. I don't yeah. think that we need to... I don't think we need to go any further. I think that, that that last point I was going to ask you, you know, how can someone take action? But I think that, that kind of, that's kind of like an action step to kind of think about the food. I mean, do you think that there's, there's an action step that someone can take uh, right now at the end of this call to, to, to really start to improve uh, the quality of their water? Well, yeah, I've got an action step here. Let, let me get to it in this way, that... In conclusion to all of this, and by the way, thank you all for spending the extra time here. I hope I hope that you're finding a tremendous amount of value in this. I know that Kevin and I are always working hard to bring you that value, bring you the best information that we can. But in thinking about water and in food, 
I encourage you to think about how intimate these things are. These are things that you touch, that you swallow, that actually move through your body, and that in essence are transported to all the cells in your body. You have a very intimate relationship with everything that you drink or eat. When you realize that, and when you think about how it's reaching out, branching out through your body, through all the capillaries and all the cells, and, and recreating cell walls and membranes and recreating everything that's in your body, all the tissues, all the organs, then you realize how important your decisions are surrounding food and water. There is no more important decision than you can, that you can make in your whole life. And I think the action step here is to get in front of a mirror if you have to and have an honest conversation with yourself about setting new priorities that are in alignment with that realization. Get rid of things in your life that are cluttering, that are costly, that are just for show but not for substance. Get rid of those things. Simplify, cut down, sell the boat if you want to, get it out of your driveway, sell the RV if you want to. Simplify, reprioritize on what goes in your body. You will be happier, healthier, you'll be more hydrated, you'll be more intelligent, you'll be emotionally uh, much better off. Your whole life experience will improve when you reprioritize and then act on those priorities. So that's the action item here for tonight, the takeaway item. Hope you find value in that. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Mike. I, I really appreciate your time, and I'm glad that we could provide this extra half hour for for everyone who um, yeah. who got on this call. And, and this call will be available. Um, we will be able to give you the download, and you'll be able to download it and pop it on your iPod to listen to again because there's a lot of information here. And so, you know, just, again, I want to thank uh, Mike for, for being on this call. Mike, I really love listening to, to what you have to say. Well, thank you, Kev. I can't. Uh, I can't thank you enough for making this available. Uh, and for all those who are participating, thank you for your time, for your energy, for your positive intentions, and for your support, too, because it's your support that makes it possible for Kevin and I to be able to bring you information like this. So thank you. Thank you all for joining us here tonight. And, Kevin, we'll have to do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we should have a regular series. <laughs> I know. It would be very valuable and a lot of fun, too. Well, until so then, else, folks. Yeah. It's everyone else out there. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. This is Kevin Gianni from RenegadeWaterSecrets.com and Mike Adams. From both of us, we are wishing you a happy and healthy holiday since the holidays are coming up. And we wish you all a great night. Yep. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Talk to you again soon. The moderator has disconnected. The call will now end. Welcome to the conferencing service. Please enter your conference ID followed by the pound sign. Thank you. Please hold while we validate your conference ID. Incorrect conference. Thank you. Please hold while we validate your conference ID. Conference ID accepted. The moderator has not yet arrived. Please wait. Please wait.